0: Look at verse number 13. Real familiar passage. The Bible said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach Except they be sent as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for the privilege to be here today. What an honor it is to preach to these young people. I do not understand why you've blessed me in this way, but I sure do thank you for it. I love them and I want to help them today. So Lord, I pray you'd give me exactly what I need. Give me the words to say and Lord, help me to be a blessing and God will give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Now, there are several things that are said in this passage or dealt with, first of all, We are given the message, look in verse number 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. What a great message we have. Isn't it wonderful that whether we are on a street corner or going door to door or whether we're opening the doors to our churches on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night revival services, whatever may be going on, isn't it wonderful that we do not have to take applications and run a background check or find out all we can about folks before we give them the message of the gospel? The Bible says, Whosoever. That gives us the opportunity to give the message, to preach the message, to offer the message, to tell the great story of salvation to everyone notice the misery in our text he said Uh, In verse number 14, in whom they have not believed. There's a lot of lost people out there. Could we even say this morning, there are probably some in our midst that are still not saved. What a terrible position to be in. What a terrible place to find yourself. And that is to have salvation and eternal life available to you within reach of you, but to refuse to believe it and trust. Trust it to eternal life. Then notice we see the mission. He said, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? What is the mission? To let them hear. They need to hear. Everybody ought to hear. Amen. Every creature needs a preacher. Everybody ought to have the opportunity to hear a clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then notice the man. He said, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, all of us understand this morning, those of you who have had any opportunity to spend time in your Bible, Heard any preaching, you understand that this is not a reference here to those who stand behind pulpits and preach the gospel. This reference to a preacher is anyone who gives the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should be everyone who is born again. Every man, every woman, every young person who is saved by the grace of God should be giving the gospel, presenting the gospel, telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our great privilege, our great opportunity to carry the greatest message on planet earth and that is that Jesus died for every sinner and every sinner can be saved and go to heaven someday. What a great message. Oh preacher God has never called me to preach. God called you to give the gospel. The day you got saved by the grace of God. Notice the management in verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? That's the job of the church. is to send those preachers, those proclaimers, those telling the story out into the world. Now can I tell you a little something? Y'all know me, you've heard me preach, you understand where I stand. I believe in doing right. I believe in, that we ought to clean ourselves up and do the very best we can. But I fear in a lot of cases we have made ourselves feel better about not carrying the gospel because we're so clean. Right. We have made ourselves feel better about not reaching the lost because after all, uh, we are doing right. After all, we look right, we act right, we go all the right places, but we're allowing the world to die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. I heard a preacher a few years ago and he said this, he said, I lose as many people out of my congregation, I have as many people leave my church over." soul winning as I do over standards. And I'm telling you it is our responsibility as churches to expect those in our service in our congregations, those who are members of our church to be those who carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church ought to be the place where we learn how to do that, where we equip ourselves to do that and where we learn to live our lives in a way That the message we preach will carry some power and some authority. Then notice the messenger. He said, except they be sent as it is written. Look at it. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. Now I'm going to take just a few minutes this morning, young people. I want to preach something just a little bit different than I've preached here before, and I want to preach on the Pony Express. The Pony Express is one of the greatest endeavors in America's history. What are you preaching on that for? Well, here's what the Word of God said. The Word of God said, "We got a message to carry." Say it, amen. Right we've got a job to do. And I fear the job is not getting done because we don't really care about the job. We don't really care whether the job gets done or not. Well, preacher, I don't understand. Let me give you a few things. First of all, I want to give you the description of the Pony Express. The Pony Express lasted only 18 months, from April 3rd of 1860 to October of 1861. It was started by by, by several men, William Russell, Alexander Majors, and William Waddell. They were the three founders of the Pony Express. Their proposal was to establish a fast mail service between Between St. Joseph, Missouri, and Sacramento, California, with letters being delivered at the least by 10 days. Uh, This was said to be impossible. They said it could not be done. The first pony express left St. Joseph on April 3rd, 1860. It arrived 10 days later in San Francisco, California. On April the 14th, Alexander Moses was a Christian man who had the burden and, and presented this, this opportunity and this work. He resolved by the help of God to overcome all difficulties that he might be able to carry a message from one place to another in the most efficient way. He presented every writer with a Bible and he required of every writer this oath. Listen carefully. They had to pledge, while I am in the employ of Alexander May, I agree not to use profane language, not to get drunk, not to gamble, not to treat animals cruelly, and not to do anything else that is incompatible with the conduct of a gentleman. And I agree, listen carefully now, if I violate any of the above conditions to accept my discharge without pay for my services. In other words, if you break this pledge at any point, you're fired without getting paid. You say, wait a minute, preacher, why would I understand all that other stuff? But why would he say not to be cruel to animals? Did you know your acts toward a dog that, is, that belongs to you or a defenseless animal tells a lot about your heart? That's, right, man. That's the reason the Word of God said that the simple-minded man will kill an animal and not eat it. A man who's right with God doesn't kill an animal unless he's going to clean it and eat it. He'll just walk through the woods dropping animals. Amen. Amen. Notice three things. First of all, the ponies they used. A good horse in their day cost $50. A good horse. The Pony Express paid $200 or more per horse because they wanted the best. There are some of you, maybe, that look at your pastor and he says, I think we ought to do this and I think we ought to do that. And you hear comments made, young people, well, you know, we can do that and do it a little bit cheaper. We can do that. Isn't it amazing how we're bothered by expense at the house of God that we're not bothered by at our house? Hey, here's what Alexander Major said He said, We are carrying a message that is very important. The mail. No expense is too great. If we're going to do it, we better do it right. Young people, you need to live your life. Start out early with preparation of the idea that you can invest your money in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly right. Notice the pay. Normal unskilled laborers were paid a dollar a week. Pony express riders made fifty dollars. A month. That's, listen carefully, $46 a month. Are you listening? Higher than everybody else was making. Why? Because they're carrying the mail. They're carrying the mail. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if you'll carry the mail, God will take care of you. If you'll carry the mail, if you'll make it important, preacher, I need God to do this and I need God to do that. Can I help you, young man? You get interested in what God's interested in and God will get interested in you. Young lady, you get interested in what God's interested in and God will get interested in you. You start pouring yourself into what God wants to and God will get interested in meeting your needs and taking Taking care of you. Right. Right. <laughs> then notice the promise. <clears throat> they promised those young men, they said, Boys, you need to realize you're doing something that's a lot greater than what you're getting paid for. Right. In other words, they said, This job is bigger than you realize. What we're doing is more important than you can comprehend. I think once in a while God allows me to get just a little glimpse of what I'm involved in. But I want you to understand, young people, even after all these years, I realize this thing's bigger and I realize. I understand this thing's bigger than I understand. I see more that this is more than I know it is. I'm telling you, this is a big deal. What you're involved in, what you enjoyed last night, it's not just a passing fancy, it's the God of the universe who chose to come to Cleveland, Georgia and visit with a group of young people and invest himself in you. Yeah, Though the riders were small and lightweight, generally teenage boys. They carried an untarnished record in the 18 months of the Pony Express. They proved to be heroes of the American West for the much-needed and dangerous service they provided. So we see the description of the Pony Express. Secondly, notice the discipline of the riders. The discipline of the riders. First of all, I want to mention their families. Back in 1860, riding in the Pony Express was difficult work. Riders had to be tough and lightweight. There was a famous advertisement that ran, reportedly read, "Wanted: young men, skinny, wiry fellas, not over 18. Must be expert riders, willing to re- risk death daily." The ad ended this way: "Orphans preferred." why is that they wanted men who had nothing to lose They wanted men who would pour themselves so much into the task. They wanted men that would be so disciplined to the work that there was nothing that would keep their attention back. Can I help you, young men? You need to understand as you're preparing to serve God, as you're looking around at maybe seeking a spouse and finding somebody, you better quit looking at just how the outward appearance is. You better start are paying attention to their love for the gospel and their love for the church and their willingness to work and their willingness to go for God and their willingness to stay faithful to God. Hey, here's what the Bible said. Listen to me, young ladies. Here's what the Bible said. Paul talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He makes it very clear. Now, don't cut me off before I'm finished. He makes it very clear that a man who chooses to get married, he does not say that's a wrong thing. But he makes it clear that when a man chooses to get married, he loses somewhat of what he could have done for God had he been totally free and uncovered. Now, Paul does not, I'm not preaching against marriage. I'm trying to make you young ladies understand that when a young man chooses to take a bride, he is sacrificing a measure of what he could have done for God. Your responsibility in that young lady is to wrap yourself up in him and present him back to God. And say, God, as much as you can, use him like you would have had he not married me. As much as you can, as much as is possible, Lord, would you allow me to hide myself in him? Hey, young ladies, look at it later. In Genesis chapter number 5, the Bible said that God called Adam and Eve Adam. He called them Adam. You say, well, preacher, I want to be my own woman. I want to do my own thing. That's okay. If that's what you want to do, do that young man a favor and break it off and decide to spend the rest of your life alone serving God and doing what you're going to do. But if you want to be independent, do not get married. If you want to get married, find a young man who has a heart for God, wrap yourself up in him, give him back to Jesus and say, Lord, as much as is possible, I want him to be able to do everything he would have done had he never got married. Amen. That's good. I won't, I don't want him to ever jump on his horse to carry the mail and have to <laughs> have to worry about things at home. I want him to be able to take that pouch. And throw it across his horse, and mount up and ride without fear, without concern. I want him to be able to go and do whatever he's got to do for God. Amen. That's good. We we read quite a bit about their frame, not just their family. If you were a Pony Express rider, you could not. Do as you please. Why is that? Well, it wasn't just the pledge. But these men had to maintain a certain weight. Mark Twain once, who had seen the Pony Express riders in action firsthand, described the riders as unusually A little bit of a man. The riders who could not weigh over 125 pounds. They changed horses about every 75 to 100 miles. Or changed riders, excuse me. About every 75 to 100 miles. And they rode all day and all night. In emergency situations... (coughs) A given rider might have to ride two stages and be in the saddle of a quick-moving horse over 20 hours. Now, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing young men who say, boy, God's burdened my heart. I'm going to pray all night. So I'm going to have to lay out of school the next day and sleep. Hoss, that's not going to work good when you get a job, right? Amen. You're going to have to learn to pull a couple shifts once in a while, right? Amen. You're going to have to learn to work overtime sometimes. You're going to have to be one of those situations where you go to work, work your 10 or 12 hours sometimes, and a real pastor will try to limit this as much as possible. But you're going to have to try to go from work over to the church house, work till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning some, then get a couple hours sleep and be back on your job the next day and be one of the best employees there. Amen. Now, I understand. I'm not trying to be ugly. But what's going to have to happen is some of you boys are going to have to throw your pacifier away. Some of y'all are going to have to get out of your bassinet and get in a big boy bed. Okay? You're going to have to take on. you well preacher. It's so hard, Really? Really, what I'd like for you to do as soon as church is over, I want you to talk to uh, Brother Hopkins, tell him how hard it is because he don't understand. (laughs) Amen. Talk to Brother Benny, take a little while and explain to him, you will drag him into an ocean of tears over how tough you've got it. (laughs) Preacher, it sounds like you're making fun of me. I'm not making fun. God knows my heart. I'm trying to make you realize where you're at. I'm trying to make you realize how important it is that you realize how important it is. How much it really matters, how much really needs to be done. These men had to work hard and long hours. They had to control what they ate. Here's, here's that ugly word. They had to be men of discipline. Are you listening to me? Young men, look at me now. I'm not trying to be ugly. We've buried some great men. The church has buried some great men that we needed to hang around listen carefully not because they were womanizers not because they compromised we buried them because they couldn't control a fork and a spoon well I got one or two amens we lost them, they're gone I didn't want to lose them And, and, and there's a possibility we didn't have to But we did. We lost them because they couldn't control, they couldn't handle a fork and a spoon. Here's what the Bible says. Bodily exercise profiteth little. That verse is there to keep you from becoming a nutcase about the shape of your physical condition. That is not there for you to use as as an excuse To move through life like a slug. That is not there for you to make an excuse. Because you look like a hog in a slot pen. Food flying everywhere. Amen. 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 They had to have discipline. And boy it's easy to discipline ourselves about a lot of things. A little bit harder to get a handle on those fleshly desires. They sneak around the back way and destroy us. Notice, not only see their family, their frame, but their fervency. Did you know these men, every one of them were glad to be carrying the mail? They were dedicated to carrying the mail. The total route was approximately 1,900 miles. During his route of 80 to 100 miles, a Pony Express rider would change horses 8 to 10 times. The horses were ridden at a fast trot, canter, or gallop, around 10 to 15 miles per hour. And at times, they were driven to full gallop at speeds up to 25 miles per hour. They had to stay with it. They had to stay with it. No times to pull off and... Get under the shade. (sighs) No way to text ahead and say, I'm going to be an hour late. This particular horse is uncomfortable. No way to call ahead and say, I have a bit of a fever. Riding today would be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, amen. amen. Come on. No way to call off the mail because it's cold outside. Right. Amen. Or because it's hot outside. Nobody rode for the Pony Express during just the spring and fall. The employers stressed to these riders the importance of the pounce, which they called a mochila. They often said, if it came to be the horse and the rider should perish before the pouch that contained the mail, the pouch was to be thrown over the saddle and it is to be held in place by the weight of the rider between him and the saddle. Each corner of the pouch had a pocket bundles of mail were placed in these pockets. The pouches, the, the, the pa- pockets were padlocked for safety. The pouch could hold 20 pounds of mail along with 20 pounds of material carried on the horse besides the rider. Included in that 20 pounds were a water sack, a Bible, a horn for alerting the relay station master to prepare the next horse, a revolver, and they had a choice. They could carry one revolver and a rifle or a second revolver. That was up to the particular rider. You say, "Well, now, wait a minute, preacher. These guys are riding through Indian territory, and they get either one revolver and a rifle or two revolvers. What's that about? They're not fighters. They're carrying the mail. Amen. Amen. Brother Hopkins, would it be a good idea if all the preachers could get that message? We're not called to fight. Sometimes we have to fight. These men had to fight at times, but we're not called to fight. We're not supposed to spend all our time loading guns. Right. 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 right, right. Amen. We're not supposed to spend all our time out there looking for a fight. Right. Amen. Amen. Once in a while we have to fight, but we shouldn't ever be looking for a fight. We ought to be carrying the mail. Amen. Some of you young preachers, if you're not careful, you'll try to make yourself come up a good fighter. You better be learn to be a good rider. <laughs> the gun was not the most important thing. Their job was not to fight, but to deliver the mail. Thirdly, notice their dedication. They were brave men. They rode through, as I said, through Indian territory al- alone. The entire 18 months of the, of the Pony Express, the Paiute Indian nation, tried to stop them. They were faced with road rangers that desired to steal the mail. They were mocked made fun of, had things thrown at them, but they just kept riding. Their job was not to be loved by the communities they passed through. Their job was to carry the mail. If every rider stopped when somebody threw something at them, the mail don't go through. If they got their feelings hurt, over being called a name, the mail doesn't go through. I've never seen such a sissy generation. Well, preacher, my friends at school, this and that, oh, preacher, they make fun of me. And what was your point? (laughs) They call me names. Hey, just ride. Just carry the mail. Your job's just to carry the mail. Oh, what a privilege to carry the mail. There's somebody waiting down the road. They're mocking here. They're making fun here. But somewhere down the road, somebody's waiting on a letter, and they're not going to do well without it. Just keep writing. Amen. That's That's good. Amen. Oh, they were not only brave. It it was almost cult-like. They were brainwashed. James Moore rode 280 miles in 14 hours and 46 minutes with an average speed, including changing horses, of 18 miles per hour. Jack Keatley made the longest ride without a stop only to change horses. He was said, it was said to be 300 miles and was done in just barely under 24 hours. A young man whose last name was Jones on an 80-mile ride lost his horse to a broken leg. When his horse went down with a broken leg, it broke the boy's leg. Last name was Jones. I couldn't find his first name. When they found him, he had dragged himself and the mailbag six miles toward the next station. And when they found his dead body, the mail was tucked up under it. <laughs> Billy Tate was only 14. When he didn't show up at his exchange station, they went back looking for him. They found him beside his dead horse with seven dead Indians around him and the mailbag pulled up under his body. Listen now. Fourteen. (laughs) Brother Piercy, when they found him, they said he was not scalped. And they said that the reason this 14-year-old was not scalped by those Indians who killed him was a sign of their respect for him. They said, we don't want him riding through here. We hate what he's doing. But boy, he loved what he's doing. I can almost see the leader of those Indians said, no, no, no. This, this boy right here will keep his scalp. <laughs> Let me ask you something, young man. How much does it mean to you? How easy do you get tired? How often do you quit? How regular do you find yourself making an excuse? Finally, notice their delight. Their delight was in a completed mount, the work and preparation of delivery. Charles Cliff, while on an 80-mile ride, was attacked by a hundred Indians. When he arrived at his station, he had three bullets in his body and 27 bullet holes in his clothes. After he recovered, he went back to ride. Amen. You say, well, now wait a minute, preacher. How in the world, how in the world did a man encounter a hundred Indians and make it? That's the reason they bought them $200 horses. Right. Right. They could outrun everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, those Indians, if they attacked, he shouldn't have tried to outrun them. He shouldn't have tried to get away. He ought to have stood and fought. See, that's a pride issue. Yeah. Yeah. See, he realized Charles Cliff realized the mail he was carrying was more important than his ego. Notice it, it, it speaks of a continuing mission. When these guys got done with their ride, they would rest and then stand out front waiting to ride again. <laughs> They'd get their rest in and then they'd walk around yes, in a hurry to get another chance to ride. Not because they, they could ride a horse anywhere. They could enjoy the countryside anywhere. But there was something under them. There was something they were carrying that was bigger than they would ever be. Can I tell you, most of you know the names of none of those riders. But I tell you, they had a heart and a desire to carry the mail and get a job done. And it meant something to them. Right. Amen. William Bolton, one of the oldest riders at 35, while carrying the mail from Seneca to Gillard Station in Kansas, his horse gave out. Without hesitation, he removed the pouch and ran the remaining five miles of his route so the mail could continue. (coughs) The horse gave out. Now, if my horse gives out, I can see me sitting here waiting on them to come get me. And if I don't show up, they're going to come get me. But here's what the rider said. The mail's more important than my rest. I can't run as fast as my horse. But I can run faster than I can sit here and wait. Amen. Preacher, I don't really have anything to do. You will if you start looking for something. (laughs) Finally, let me say this. Their delight was a communicated message. The Pony Express is credited by some as the vehicle that kept the country together, made preparation to keep the country together. During the Civil War. Now, young ladies, young men, look at me for just a minute, and I'm done. Imagine, if you will, back east. A daddy's been gone for a while. He went to Prospect Gold. The family's back home scraping. They're trying to make it. That Pony Express rider pulls in and they start pulling those letters out. And with a few children standing around that mother begins to read. And the good news is, Daddy's found gold. Here's money for the whole family to be together again. And imagine as that rider stood there and watched that mama weep while she loves all her children and said, We'll be with Daddy in a few weeks. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. Go ahead. Amen. Hey, What you need to get in your mind, young people, is that this work is bigger than we are. We don't see everything that happens. We don't understand everything that's going on. But we have one job, and that's to carry the mail. Here's what I'm looking for this morning. I'm looking for some young men. Are You're going to ask us to surrender to preach, not unless God's calling you. But I'm going to ask every young man to sign on to carry the mail. To make a pledge to carry the mail. To spend so much time in this Bible that you get brainwashed with the idea that nothing matters but the mail. I'm looking for some young ladies who will sign on to carry the mail. Whether it's in a bus ministry or in a Sunday school class or in my neighborhood. Or helping my husband to serve God and loving all the babies and reaching those ladies in my community. I'm wondering, would you sign on to carry the mail? Let's stand, heads are bowed. Father, in Jesus' name, would you help us today, Lord? God, I pray you'd speak to these young people and meet their needs. Encourage them, help them.